0: It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands One O Three, With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands
1: 103.
2: Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 30th of May. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. As usual, plenty to come between now and 8pm, including for a second year in a row, the team at Bally Kilcaven Farm and Brewery have taken home a prestigious award from the National Sustainable Business Awards. Add to that that they will represent local enterprise office Leash at the National Enterprise Awards this coming Thursday. It really has shaped up to be a great week for the family business that now is in its 13th generation. It's a fantastic business, one I know you're very familiar with from this show. I'll be joined by the owner, David Watch Chemist, a little bit later to, to talk about the recent award and what they're going to look forward to, hopefully, on Thursday night too. Also, Sophie Freeman set up Sophie's Soaps and Mullingar just over five years ago. She counts some of the major national brands as stockists of her products. However, that aside... It has proven to be a challenging time, as it is for so many small businesses out there. So Sophie will come on later on, talk about her business, the products that she's created and sells, but what it's really like and how businesses are really feeling the pinch of ever-rising operating costs. Also... About two, three weeks ago on the show, I spoke about the Grow Remote Summit that's taken place in Leash on the 8th and 9th of June. It's a massive two day event. Really, it's from kind of morning to night, huge range of activities on it. Tracy Keough of Grow Remote outlined some of the key points of that recently. And I also spoke to Siobhan Curtin of eBay Ireland. Tonight, to build upon central themes of that conference, I'll be joined by, junior, by Minister of State Pippa Hackett. And people will discuss the opportunities for Midlands, for the Midlands region and the role that remote work can play in helping us reach our climate action goals. Again, something that's in the news again today for other reasons, especially around the agricultural side of things. But we're going to look at how remote working can help us achieve those goals. To add to that, I'll be joined by Stuart Trotter of the Liberty Uh, insurance group because and they'll talk about the liberty digital way they have really pushed and promoted remote working with their employees and actually interestingly just today the results of the latest census were out and according to it one third of us one third of all employees across the country now work remotely in some capacity now it doesn't mean they're all five days it could be just a day it could be two days whatever system it is But what a staggering number that is, and our statistic that is. It's 173% of an increase since the previous census in 2016. You know, we knew the way we do work is changing rapidly We now have some evidence on that as well. So both Pippa Hackett and Stuart Trotter will talk about that and how remote working has allowed their organisations and indeed to develop in the case of liberty, but also how it can help the government reach its climate action targets too. Before that, if you do want to get in touch with me here this evening, as always, you can text or WhatsApp me. It's the quickest and most direct way to get me on 083 3010 103 and your messages will pop up here on the screen in front of me. Or if you've got something you'd like to put or propose for the show, or get into touch with a bit more detail, you can do so on business at midlands103.com. But to begin this evening, I'm going to go across to Mullingar because Mullingar has retained its purple flag accreditation for its evening and nighttime economy. What exactly does that mean for the town? And I'm supposed to begin with, what is a purple flag? Well, no better person to answer that question than Ashling Coleman from Mullingar Chamber. A very good evening, Ashling.
3: Hi, Ronan. How are you?
2: Absolutely fantastic. And I must say I had a wonderful morning in Mullingar this morning, but I'll come back to that a bit later. This purple flag, I suppose, to begin with, what is the purple flag and why is it something that Mullingar sought to achieve?
3: Uh, So, I suppose, the purple flag, it's an award for reaching the standard of excellence in the evening and nighttime economy. Um, We've achieved that now since 2015, um, so it's similar enough to the blue flag for beaches or the green flag for parks. Um, it's to raise the standard and broaden the appeal of the town centres in the evening and nighttime economy.
2: So when you compare it to, say, the blue or green flag, that's kind of giving kind of uh, intimations of maybe safety and cleanliness. Stuff like that is that kind of what the purple flag is?
3: Correct. Yes. Yeah. So it's to show that we kind of have a diverse culture and offering, and are family friendly. We're safe, vibrant. That we've kind of everything going on there in the evenings, anytime after between five o'clock at night and five o'clock in the morning, doesn't exactly run to that far but...
2: And when did it first become come onto the chamber's radar? And and why was it something that I suppose the people of Mullingar felt was number one, putting the time and effort into achieving the
4: accreditation?
3: Uh, so the the actual award itself was started in twenty twelve, um, and in twenty fifteen. Some of the board of directors on the Chamber Commerce at the time, they decided this is something that we should go for. It's got um, it's internationally recognised, um, and they went first back in 2015 and achieved this. And then it's up to us. Since then, I've only been with Chamber for the last two and a half years. So um, since then, we've applied for this. My second time going first, um, and. It's just it's important to raise the appeal of to see what's going on in Mullingar and to make sure that, you know, that we are on the, the international radar. So.
2: And the accreditation is given by the Association of Town and City Management. And you mentioned, I think that, I know looking up on the internet there earlier, there's only about 10 maybe towns that actually have it. And you're the only one in the Midlands, I believe, that, that has this accreditation. Yes. So it's
3: uh, 11 towns and cities in Ireland have it. Just 11. That's it. Towns and cities. Uh, we're the only people in the Midlands. The other ones, uh, you know, we're up with Carrigan and Shannon, Cork, Drogheda, Dublin, Ennis, Galway, uh, Salt Hill, Sligo, Tralee, and Killarney.
2: And the actual accreditation process, then, the assessment that takes place, um, it says under, it is carried out by expert assessors. What does it involve, yes. and what sort of, um, you know, I suppose, is there a form to be filled in, or what information do you have to glean from the various businesses and, and contributing uh, stakeholders there in Mullingar?
3: Yes prior to the actual assessment we would um, carry out a self-assessment so that's kind of you know how we see ourselves and then from there then there's two independent assessors they're assigned to Mullingard they conduct a 12-hour assessment uh, with the Mullingard team which was held on the March 31st and they were provided with an itinerary and we brought them around for the evening included a presentation in the gravel arms and um, we met with Joe Kinnear and other trad musicians there we met with Dave Stafford from the Mullingar community first responders and they spoke about the importance of their work and a full kind of pitch as such was given um, and was presented by Daniel Boyne and then from there we went on and did a walking tour of Mullingar with Ruth Illingworth he's a local historian here in town and um, we took in about 15 locations in total including the My Open Library services, the Garda Barracks, the Art Centre, cinema and some bars and restaurants and that in town. So they assessed on all of that from the hours. We started off from five o'clock in the gravel and we ended up at two o'clock in the fence.
2: That's like an interesting afternoon. From the judge's report back, did you get much feedback and were there any areas that they highlighted as being of particular interest and, and things that really caught their attention in the town?
3: Um, well, they were very impressed by the, the community first responders and um, the, the previous kind of what we had gone with the flag and stuff like that. Like, you know, with the crime reports that were sent back to because we've all that information, we gather all of that from the, the Garda barracks. Uh, they were very impressed that there was very little to none um, move on any of the, the stats from that, from the previous year. Because we do an assessment every year, so there's like... We do a a basic assessment every year, but there's a major assessment every two years where we that's where we go with the assessors. But other than that, they're kind of self-assessments year on year. Um, But there was little to no movement on, on any of the crime stats from from the fly, which was hugely beneficial to us and, and and very good. It just looked very good for us, so absolutely. Uh, it's they a, were it's, delighted. A, it's a
2: great achievement given the amount of people that were in the town last year and, of course, will yeah, be very very shortly again. Anything that they highlighted yeah. where maybe Mullingar could do slightly better or is it just perfect?
3: Uh, no, well, <laughs> nothing, nothing is ever perfect. Signage was now an issue, you know, where they, they need to be promoting in car parks and things like that. That was one of the areas, and that's why it is so good to, to work with them that they're able to see stuff that maybe we don't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis, but uh, they, they are able to kind of give us feedback on, on where they could see that these assessments and, and improvements can make place. So, signage is definitely somewhere we, we can look at and, and improve on that.
2: It really does. It sounds like that kind of cross-community initiative and effort that's needed for it. From a business perspective, what do mm-hmm. businesses gain from Mullingar having a purple flag status?
3: Uh, well, I suppose it puts us on the global market. It allows us to showcase our town to a much wider audience. This is a, an internationally recognised um, status and achievement. So the, the other places that have it would be the UK. There's about 50 towns and, and cities in the UK that have it. And there's some in New Zealand, in, in Australia and Sweden. So it puts us on a par with all of them and to to be able to kind of work against them as well as with them on the ATCM website, they showcase all of them. So like like what you would be looking for if you go to a beach, you would see that there's a blue flag. You're going, okay, that's great. That's what we have as a purple flag. And that's what we continue to work forward for, that we will continue to have our purple flag.
2: Yeah, sounds like you're going to fly it and, and getting to do so as well. A fantastic. And kind I of say, look, congratulations to everybody involved and uh, nice to get that Thank recognition you. for it. Briefly, Ashin, before I let you go, any kind of, I know obviously the flag's coming up as well, but from a chamber perspective, any big events or key things you'd like to highlight for anybody listening?
3: Uh, well, I'm just off a call to, um, I'm off a Zoom call there for a Career Expo. So that'll be going on in September. We've got our uh, chamber awards coming up in November and we're working on a Christmas proposal there at the moment. So, all will be announced soon, we're
2: hoping. Absolutely. You can't mention Christmas when we're at about 24 degrees out I there. I know, I understand,
3: <laughs> the I
2: know. There's certain times of the year that that's not allowed. <laughs> uh, absolutely, such is the way it rolls. But actually, <laughs> uh, think fair play yeah, though, great work, of course, as we know perfectly from the show as well been done by everybody in Mullingar Chamber too and long may it continue. And uh, very well done again. And look, we'll catch up with you again soon on Taking Care of Business.
3: Thanks very much, Roland.
2: And uh, Ashley Coleman there is manager at Mullingar Chamber of Commerce. And again, you know, it just shows sometimes when it, people in the town get together and they try to really raise the standard and, and push for some accreditation. And it did, in this case, international accreditation, the purple flag. Is it something you'd be interested in for your town? Uh, drop me a text, 083 3010 by text or WhatsApp. Let me know, is it something you think your town should apply for? Is there enough? Do you feel secure at nighttime in your town? Do you think your town gives off a vibe of somewhere where it would attract extra international visitors if you had that accreditation? Let me know. 083 3010 103. I did mention at the start there that I was in Mullingar this morning. I had the pleasure of going across to see the brand new showrooms of My Name is Ted, that fantastic luxury leather company that's based in Mullingar. Of course, it has its links back to the late Ted Carberry, a saddler from Mount Melick who, following an aneurysm, began to, you know, he switched. He, as we would say during a pandemic, he pivoted towards making satchels and wallets and and smaller leather goods with his left hand and using his mouth as well. And the reason I was over was my parents actually had an original Ted Carberry satchel in their house and we brought it over this morning to show Brendan McAvoy and Cassia Gaborik McAvoy the husband and wife team behind My Name is Ted and they showed us around their fantastic new showrooms and we saw their offices as well and to go with that we also had a lovely cup of coffee in Red Earth beforehand where I spotted Mr Derek Montgomery of Montgomery Lifestyle uh, delivering a yoga workshop outside and then afterwards we had a bit of lunch in Belvedere so fantastic morning and I have to say Mullingar was looking splendid in the sunshine and if you're looking for something to do There's so much to do in our local towns, especially when the weather's like it is and everyone's in great form as well. Great chance to get out there, support local businesses and discover stuff about business maybe that you didn't really know about. Well, My Name Is Ted is one business that you probably know from this show. If you haven't found out who they are yet or looked them up, definitely do so on MyNameIsTed.com. Fantastic local business and uh, Ireland's fastest growing luxury brand. And undoubtedly, things are going to really take off for them in the coming years. So again, thank you to all the team there for inviting us over this morning. Fantastic day. And to everybody who served us some great food and uh, had a great experience in our towns you know we have so much on our doorstep here in, in the Midlands get out there and explore it now time for me to get out of this take a quick break after that we'll be back and we'll go to another Mullingar business who despite you know having gained great ground over the last couple of years is, is feeling a little bit of pressure based on the rising cost of just doing business given everything the way things have been in the last year or two so that's coming up after this quick break
0: Taking Care of Business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath Find us on localenterprise.com and let's talk
2: business. So to come on taking care of business while you look at that Grow Remote Summit that takes place in Leash on the eighth and ninth of June. Minister Pippa Hackett will join me to talk about the advantages that remote working offers and the opportunities it provides for areas like the Midlands to really create sustainable employment and also as well as that to help reach the climate action targets as set out by government and indeed in some ways mandated upon us too Um, I'll be joined as part of that piece as well by Stuart Trotter from Liberty Ireland and he'll talk about their remote work policy which actually began way before the pandemic and is something that they have really used in order to grow and sustain their business too and then later on speaking of sustainability I'll be joined by David Watch Chemist he's, he's no introduction to this stage but the owner of Bally Kilcaven Farm and Brewery near Stradbally they've taken home another major sustainability award recently And on the back of that, we represent Local Enterprise Office Leash at the National Enterprise Awards this coming Thursday in Dublin. So fantastic times and fantastic recognition for what is an amazing business. Find out more about that at about 10 to 8. Now, before that, I'm going to just pop back to Mullingar here because, yes, there's huge amounts of positivity out there. And on this show, I'm often showcasing these great businesses from the large multinationals right down to the small one person or even micro enterprises that really are the lifeblood of our communities. Um, at a rough guess, something like 92% of the jobs that exist in this country are linked towards micro enterprises. And if you look at the the statistics behind the local enterprise offices and the amount of employment that their clients are creating year on year, it is it really just showcases how important they are to our very economy. Well, one such business like that is Sophie's Soaps, based in Mullingar. I'm delighted to be joined now by its founder, Sophie Freeman. Very good evening, Sophie.
1: Hi, Ronan. How are you?
2: Brilliant. Sophie, you uh, first set up Sophie's Soaps back in around 2017. What uh, propelled you to decide, I'm going to go into business on my own and why soap?
1: Yeah, so it was crazy. I actually went to college and I got a degree in digital marketing. I worked in it for about two years. And I just didn't like it. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I just fell into soap making, really. I saw videos on YouTube on how to make them and I just fell in love um and i learned how to make them from scratch and then i had so many at home i decided to start selling them
2: and from the point when, when you looked at kind of creating these soaps any kind of key things you wanted to do like in terms of maybe the ingredients or what what was your kind of pri- what, what was the kind of driving kind of metrics behind it for you
1: so i really wanted to create a vegan cruelty free plastic free palm oil free soaps that would kind of be that wouldn't impact the environment in any negative way so um, that way I, I feel good about making these soaps they're very artistic they kind of have really beautiful designs but at the same time they're not having a negative impact on the environment
2: did that present any challenges in terms of then maybe cost to begin with like if you're trying to do something that you know really is almost like a passion piece as well or did you find it relatively simple to go and convert that into and actually be able to create the products
1: it was it was difficult to be honest the ingredients for well the ingredients in the packaging for a sustainable brand are very expensive as you can imagine and there's not a lot that you can get in Ireland so I kind of have to outsource and a lot of the ingredients are in the UK which has presented a challenge with Brexit as well on top of that
2: Absolutely, yeah. Brexit presents many challenges too, and of course, you're back, kind of, you know, 2017. We're still a couple of years before the pandemic hit, and people tried to make all sorts of things at home. But at that point, you'd been gaining good traction with your business too, because at this point, you have you've stockists right across the country. And take us through some of those kind of key stockists and um, what it was like getting getting your product onto their shelves.
1: Yes, so um, one of my main stockists now is the refill mill in Mullingar. Um, She's brilliant. She has a zero-waste shop and she has zero-waste groceries and she's got all your zero-waste cosmetics. So she would order from me the most. She's brilliant. Her name is Evelyn. Um, And then I have the filling station in Galway City. I have Soap Sisters in Port Leash. And then I've recently gotten the International Rugby Experience in Limerick City. Their gift shop in there, um, and Kelly's Pantry as well in Galway. Um, getting onto their shelves was well, the refill mill was was relatively easy. She reached out to me, so I was very lucky in that. Um, but putting yourself out there and getting into other people's shops is is quite difficult, especially right now with the cost of living crisis. Businesses are closing. and they're not looking for new suppliers, and um, so I'm finding that a big challenge now this year.
2: And that's it, of course. I mean, it's, it's well painted across all media, especially here in the Midlands one or three as well, that at a time when nationally we're looking at record exchequer returns the tax take, tax take has never been as high already there's kite flying about budgets about giving money back to people and businesses and all that but the reality is and I noticed myself like that on the ground lots of businesses are feeling that pinch as well and, and you're no different I mean you reached out to me about that and said look at you know this is on the ground it's not that simple as well what have the main challenges been in the last while for you and at what point did you find like this is this is really becoming an issue for me
1: yeah, so basically 2020 was my busiest year. It did incredibly well and I based my future decisions then off of 2020. So I decided to move out from my family home. I got my own um, apartment so that I could increase supply, so that I could take on more shops. Um, now this year has been extremely challenging, never mind Brexit, but Brexit came anyway and then there was issues with customs and buying in my, my ingredients. So they ingredients uh, prices rose by nearly 200% some of them which is insane and I'm trying not to you know um, raise my prices but it's very very hard you know to even cover your bills so um, I found that was quite difficult you know in renting and the rent increases and then the ESB rose and then I found a lot of my wholesale businesses started to close down as well like Green Outlook say um, Fiona had to close her business. And Bare Blue as well, um, they closed their business earlier this year. You know, it was very sad to see them go.
2: Yeah, that really is. I think a triple whammy is, is, is a kind of a, a basic way of describing that. But not only are you trying to safeguard your own business, but that threat of potential, the business you're supplying going out of business too. And that's that one is very hard as well to manage, at least with your own costs. You can you can see on a weekly basis what it's costing you. But trying to gauge what, what's happening with other businesses is definitely tough, I can imagine.
1: That's it. it. It it really, it really is difficult. And then as well, like, you know, there's no support really for small business owners. I found across the board from the government. Um so if you have a slow month saying you only make maybe 200 euro, which is, you know, it happens. Um, you just have to make do. You know, there's nothing you can do. And you have to try and pay your bills and pay your ESB and everything. And, you know, um, small business owners, or some of them are sole traders like me, and I'm the sole runner of Sophie Soaps. And if it has a slow month, it really impacts me big time.
2: And a slow month, is that just maybe orders not coming through, your, your stock is not you know, needing more product as well, or is there kind of other factors that might contribute to that? Like, I mean, I suppose when you are a sole trader, you say everything you do 24-7, you're in that business.
1: Yeah, well, you see, I work around the clock I work I, I work non-stop um, and I've just noticed a big dip now this year with businesses closing that's the biggest issue for me I think this year um, never mind rising costs but businesses are closing and they're not taking on new suppliers and I've never seen this before this is the first time I've seen this in five years but they're not taking on new suppliers because they're struggling as well you know every small business is, is struggling big time
2: yeah, absolutely. And you know, people across the boards and across the, the three counties will, will reiterate that too, that on the on the surface maybe you're trying to project that everything is fine, but the reality of those rising costs, and as you've pointed out, like the, the vulnerability of those other shops and those other people that you're relying on too. But uh, from the point of view then of your own business, how how confident are you that in six months time you'll still be in business or what 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 might actually force you to say, well, unfortunately this has been great, but I have to make a very tough decision here?
1: Yeah, see, I, I absolutely love what I do. And that's what keeps me going, even though it's probably not the most viable right now. I absolutely love what I do. It's my customers that keep me kind of going. I get calls and I get emails about how great the product is and how, oh, my husband uses your shampoo bar and he'll never use any other shampoo again. Like that kind of keeps me going. I want to keep supplying these people. But to be honest, I'm kind of just taking it day by day because, you know, I I'm, I'm, I really don't want to close because I love it so much. But it's not something that I can say isn't going to happen because of the rising cost.
2: If anybody listening now could uh, wave a magic wand and do something for Sophie Soaps, what would it be?
1: Oh, if I got a ton of orders in, or if I got if a few shops uh, emailed me and said, "Oh, can I stock your products?" That would be the best thing for me. And um, the shops that I supply are my main support they're my biggest supporter and they're the reason why i'm still open so i would absolutely love more shops to stock that would be that would probably keep me going
2: well, hopefully we can get that message out across the airwaves and via podcast as well over the next couple of weeks for you. And who knows, it might just that might just land and all that hard work you've put in. And I know I get I'd say loads of business owners listening now going, stick with this. You know, you're probably, you know, I think feeling it right now, but stick with it and and good things will come down the line as well. But Sophie, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. All the very best with it. And uh, I think it's often important we point out the challenges that exist behind business, particularly when you're into a small business and it's it's just yourself and you're that uh, sole, solopreneur or that sole trader as well it can be challenging thank you so much for coming on and all the very best and i'm going to check in with you again maybe in a couple of months time and see how you're going but uh, for now sophie freeman owner of Sophie's soaps thank you very much
1: thank you so much
2: and if you want to find out more about sophie's products there visit sophiessoaps.ie very simple email ad- or web address there. Check it out. Some fantastic products online and who knows, let's see, can we keep another local business um, vibrant, keep it going as well and not let five or six years of hard work developing products getting on shelves across the country of some of the, the big stockists, let's let that not go to waste. You know, I think fingers crossed things will work out there and um, thank you to Sophie for joining me this evening. Now, time for another break. Later in the show, I'll be going to Leash to talk to the owner of Ballyclick Cavern Brewery as they've picked up another major sustainable decennials sustainability award excuse me but after a break we're going to look at remote working and the role it can play in terms of meeting climate action targets from a sustainability point of view but also in creating lasting sustainable employment within the midlands and this is all in the back of course of the Grow Remote Summit that's taking place in Port Leash early next month so lots to come here on Taking Care of Business
0: Taking Care of Business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business
2: Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. A couple of weeks back, I was joined on the show by Tracy Kyo, one of the co founders of Grow Remote, and by Siobhan Curtin of eBay. And they spoke about, I suppose, in advance of the Grow Remote Summit that takes place in Port Leash on the 8th and 9th of June this year. And, uh, you know, really throughout the pandemic, one thing that came to the fore was number one, there's another way of doing work. There's a way that, in a lot of cases, can actually be more productive and can deliver better work life balance for employees. And actually the results of the latest census and even today it was published and said that basically one third of employees now work remotely in some capacity. That's up 173% since census 2016, which might sound like no surprise, but it's an indication that remote working was here, but it's also now very much something that's here to stay. So the look at the opportunities presented from remote working, both in terms of creating sustainable environments here for people to live and work in around the Midlands, but also looking at meeting our climate action targets. I'm delighted to be joined by Minister of State Pippa Hackett. Pippa, of course, is Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture. Uh, Pippa joins me now. Uh, Good evening, Pippa. This whole thing around remote working, you believe, you know, it has huge potential to bring opportunities for people to remain in and to even return to or settle back into the Midlands and really grow our local communities.
3: Absolutely. Um, I think if we flash back a, a number of years, even before COVID, you know, people just w- wouldn't really have thought much about remote working. There w- might have been, you know, a few people doing, but certainly, I think the experience over COVID, people were, you know, good proportion of people were were forced into remote working, and it was a challenge at the time. But lots of people got through it, um, and many people saw the benefits, as you say, to their own, um, you know, work life balance. Um, some people worked better from home than they may have done in an office situation. Um, and I think you know the potential there just on those issues alone um is vast. Um, I think there's a real role here um you know in, in supporting remote working um, and there's a whole lot of other benefits as well. Um, as you said, you know' climate action benefits it's actually referenced several times in the climate action plan, remote working as an action. Um, and I think it's wonderful that the um that the grow grow, grow remote Summit so is coming to Port leash in the midlands next week.
2: I know Tracy pointed out there a few weeks ago that uh, the Midlands in particular has been a huge supporter of the Grow Remote movement, which started in Ireland and is, is now a global organisation and really has been a game changer in terms of even policy around remote working. But you yourself have, have experience, obviously, of, of both commuting and working from home. And so you kind of understand and you've seen firsthand the quality of life benefits that it can bring.
3: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, certainly. Um, I think... Um, I think people maybe, I remember like years ago, even, you know, working in before I was a politician, doing a little bit of remote working. And I didn't think it worked very well for me. I found I was too distracted um, and, and I couldn't do it. But certainly, I think more recently, I think the, the focus has come on it. I think obviously, you know, broadband connectivity has improved and that's, that's going to continue to improve in terms of the broadband rollout is important. Um, and I think the fact that other other people in your maybe business um, are also working remote you know puts you in a, into a different sort of um connection with them and it it's it's okay to do that. I think we're looking at, you know, certainly benefits um as i said some some sectors see a boost in productivity from people who work remotely. Um and evidence also suggests and i think this is a good point that um remote working um improves um labor market outcomes for people, you know, with disabilities, people who are in caring roles, you know, enables them to work and to be at home as well. And you know sometimes that's invaluable, you know, particularly for women. I can give one very brief example, I mean, I was canvassing in Eaton Derry last Friday um, during the day and, you know, there was quite a few people at home and and quite a number of them were remote working and they were telling me that that's working for them for the last number of years. So it's great to see.
2: Absolutely, no. I think there is huge amounts of evidence out there from people and there's a lot of people who, Maybe we're aware of remote working previously, but we're we're forced into kind of that working from home thing during COVID. But that has now kind of migrated and morphed into that kind of remote model, be it one day, two day, five days a week as well. And um, I can imagine, you know, it does. It, it really is. You can see the difference even in our local towns and villages too. But you referenced there the Climate Action Plan 23 and obviously government policy really is looking at, at uh, reducing our emissions overall and reducing our carbon footprint and in order to meet all the, the kind of climate and sustainability goals that are out there and um, some things been highlighted in the news over the last couple of days too but uh, you believe from, from, from a point of view of remote working the reductions in transport emissions alone there's a potentially huge savings can be made there
3: yeah, there is actually the, the the potential savings are quite significant, um, and even you know despite any extra emissions that might happen while somebody is at home, you know using electricity and so forth, the, the net environmental gains are are, are significant. Um, also, that congestion piece, you know, while not strictly climate action, it's still a, a bit of um, you know well being and work-life balance as well, I know, because I mean, I can go up to Dublin in my own role at the moment, maybe on a Monday, not always on a Monday. But the difference between a Monday and a Tuesday is profound, because I understand a lot of people are remote working, say, on the Monday but the traffic comes back on the Tuesday and you notice it. And there's, you know, huge swathes of people commuting from Eden Derry, from, you know, Tullamore, Mullingar, Port Arlington, you name it, in the Midlands, you know, a lot of people are going eastwards. Um, And look, I know remote working isn't for everyone. Obviously, certain jobs require you to be on site, but there's a whole uh, percentage of jobs that you could do from home um, or from a a co-working hub, you know, even in your local town. Um, and I think all of that gives people back time and, you know, time is wealth too.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so important for people. And I think people have seen the, the, the potential benefits of that there, too. But as part of this Grow Remote Summit that's taken place in you Jr., actually one of the keynote speakers at the conference as well. But you actually asked Tracy Kyo of Grow Remote to come and facilitate a briefing for the Oireachtas members and the councillors part of just, tran, uh, just Transition a Territorial Plan. Um, what was what was the thinking behind that as well? And what were the kind of key messages you wanted to kind of get across from, from Tracy to these various um, groups?
3: Um, look, I think it's. I, I'm, I'm delighted that Tracy, you know, accepted, and and she ha- she is going to, you know, give her time on on next Friday morning. Um, to to brief, as you say, our members and councillors. And look, if there's any of them out there listening today, you know, reach out to my to my office, and you know, there's still a few spaces there. So I'll certainly do that. But ultimately, you know, in the Midlands in particular, we are facing particular challenges, certainly around, you know, the change, I suppose, in what where the jobs used to come from and where they're, where they're going to come from in the future. Um, the just transition piece is a significant part. You know, we know there's lots of European money headed our direction. But, I mean, I think remote work could fit into that model very well. Um, we're talking about, you know, creating new, exciting jobs around um, whether it's tourism, whether it's um, green, you know, energy, um, any sort of innovative jobs that can be created in the midlands and if we can build remote working into that again it adds to the ability of people to to make those decisions you know sometimes people are constrained by their location where they can work and particularly if they have you know other family issues that might keep them close so that that great job in dublin maybe years ago might have been out of reach nowadays is not you know and once we have the connectivity and we have the the the, um i suppose the the proper channels of, of communication and and digitization it makes it a lot easier for people and i think the, the the options the opportunities here now in the midlands i mean are greatly enhanced and i i think next week's forum is going to be really exciting
2: Absolutely, no, it's, it's a fantastic lineup as well. And people are looking for it, it's in growremote.ie forward slash summit. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, Minister Hackett, uh, thank you so much for coming on this evening. And I'm sure lots of people will be very keen to, to hear your keynote at that conference. But uh, thank you for your contribution this evening. And I'm going to move on now to Stuart Trotter. And Stuart is a branch manager for Ireland with Liberty Insurance. And there's no better way to kind of paint a picture and show how successful remote working can be to speak to companies as I did with Siobhan Curtin of eBay a few weeks ago, that are showing true leadership when it comes to remote working. And Stuart is going to primarily, obviously they will be contributing to the conference as well, but he's going to talk about the Liberty Digital Way and um, about their remote work model and how successful it has been. Now, this predates COVID-19, so it's not a reactionary thing. This is something that has been part of their strategy for a number of years now. A very good evening, Stuart.
5: Hi, Ronan. Thanks for having me on.
2: No problem at all. Stuart, can you take us through the Liberty Digital Way? What is it and when did it first come into being?
5: Yeah, well, we started looking at um, remote working back in 2019, um, really just before the pandemic. Um, and we were really looking for it at two angles, both to kind of improve staff engagement and help um, improve um, work-life balance for people, and um, but also then to attract and retain the best talent in the market. So... We started looking at that in 2019. We had a pilot work from home model, um, but we were very quickly overtaken by the pandemic, um, of course, and that accelerated things quickly. We were in a good position because we had already started on that on that process and we had a lot of the infrastructure in place. Um, and really what we found is, was the pandemic was an incredibly difficult time for people, particularly the first phase of it. Um, I think once people got through that initial phase and um, we started asking the teams do you want to go back to the old way of working? And we actually got a, a staggering 93% of people said and um, they didn't want to go back to the old ways. So at that point, we um, decided to work with our teams to build a new model. Um, and we did that by setting up um, employee ambassadors who could bring ideas and feedback from the teams. Um, and through this, we created what we call the Liberty Digital Way, which is our remote working model.
2: What was it that uh, kind of drove you to look at that initially, you know, it's even pre-pandemic, obviously? Was it, you know, employees making the request? Was it all around kind of talent retention? What were the key drivers behind it? Like, or was it just a, a good kind of sixth sense as to where maybe the market was going?
5: Yeah, I think it, it, it was both of those things. Um, you know, we, we, we are very conscious of putting people first and you know, particularly for people and, and some of the examples the Minister gave, you know, rings true as well. People with long commutes, maybe people that have home commitments um, that, you know, having some sort of remote working model seemed to make a lot of sense um, from, from that perspective. Um, but also um, we were very conscious of the fact that, you know, there were huge talent pools that we couldn't tap into where, you know, if we require people to be in the office, you um, uh, you know during the week and be able to commute to the office um, well then that kind of cuts you off from certain talent pools um, so th- they were the two big drivers And is
2: it something that you see you know you kind of rolling out kind of company wide or uh, making available to everybody as well or will, you, will it be certain kind of sections of staff that you will expect to be back in the office
5: No so I mean we are we are 100% remote um, it, right across Ireland right across Europe Um so um, the model-based staff can come in um, two days a week if they wish to, um, but it's a maximum of two days a week. Um, but in actual fact, there is no requirement for people to come in um, unless um, we want people to come in for a particular engagement or, you know, um, to a particular kind of collaborative session. Um, but, but basically, you know, from, from the vast majority of the time, people are working at home full time. Um, and we, we, we have no intention of, of rolling that back. You know, we, we, we see that as, as our go forward model.
2: And Minister Hackett so, was speaking there around, you know, the climate action plan as well and reaching our climate targets. Is that something that you're, yeah. you know, are you actually kind of almost monitoring that and getting some data around that in terms of like potential carbon footprint savings because of your remote uh, policy?
5: Um, yeah, well in, actually we launched our first um, ESG report um, for 2022 this year um, and we've seen that we have successfully been able to reduce our, our emissions um, significantly, largely through reducing our, our office footprint um, and that kind of resulting in a reduction in um, of 45% in our Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions. In other words, the emissions that are owned and controlled by the company, for example, electricity, um, oil for the buildings, fuel for company cars, etc. cetera. Um, so, you know, we're, we're absolutely delighted with that target. I think Liberty Mutual's global target, target is a 50% reduction by 2030, so we're, we're practically there already. Yeah. Um, we've also, in Ireland, um, switched energy providers so that our energy now um, comes from renewable energy sources, and we're going to um, uh, implement that for Spain and Portugal in 2023 as well. Yeah,
2: that's significant moves as well, and said so that data there to, to back up those um, moves too. But obviously, Liberty Insurance are going to play a role in the Grow Remote Summit that's taken place in in Leash on the eighth and 9th of June. And um, when did Liberty first engage with Grow Remote, and um, what have the kind of key maybe advantages have been, or what are key learnings been from your work with Grow Remote to date? Yeah, well, I
5: suppose we we've a shared, um, I mean, we've a shared passion really for remote working, you know, and. and such a, a strong alignment and belief there so we first got involved with grow remote in june 2021 and we were proud to become the first sort of non-tech company and um, to become involved and i suppose insurance is seen as very much a traditional uh, a traditional type of industry so um you know we were delighted to be kind of at the forefront of of getting involved um, and and Really, um, through the partnership, um, we wanted to offer industry expertise to those transitioning to remote working um, and helping to empower more people to work remotely and encourage the the sustainable community development around Ireland um, that, that, that remote working enables.
2: there's um, so many organisations like yourselves that are really coming to the fore and and showcasing and and showing that leadership in order to create those remote first models as well and clearly again something that's working for yourselves Um, in terms of the conference that's coming up in June um, if you were to ask why people should attend to it I think we've probably pointed out a lot in this show already but uh, for you what what would would potentially key takeaways be from that for anyone looking to attend
5: I mean I I, I think um, creating a vision of what can actually be achieved and one of the things we found was, um, you know, it, it's very easy to just take your current status quo and maybe make some tweaks to it. But actually, I think by being able to see and hear what other people have done and how they've done it, um, that can really shift your, your your whole mindset in terms of remote working. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is the opportunity to talk to people who've done it. You'll see people who've done it in different ways, um, you know, it, any remote working model needs to be adapted to your own business and your your own business model so I think um, there's an awful lot to be had from, um, from the summit in that regard.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Talk to people who've, who've been there who are doing this or living this already and reduce that fear factor and you say maybe see what you can do and how you can tailor that to your own business. Uh, fantastic advice as well. And thank, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on and giving us yet another, case, another uh, strong case study of companies who have embraced this and uh, you know, are reaping the rewards and benefits from it. Thank you very much, Stuart. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Stuart Trotter is a branch manager for Ireland at Liberty Insurance. Again, like another company really paving the way and showcasing what remote working can do. Thanks also to Minister Pippa Hackett for coming on and speaking about her experience of remote working, but also how government are behind us too and, and, and the way that it can also help in reducing our our you know our, um, climate emissions and helping meet the targets of the Climate Action Plan whilst creating and sustaining that long-term sustainable employment in our Midlands region Uh, thank you to all our contributors there now time for a quick break after that it's across the Leash to Bally Brewery they've won yet another sustainability award and they're actually up for a National Enterprise Award on Thursday evening too I'll be talking to David Walsh Chemist very very shortly Taking
0: Care of Business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk
2: business Bally Farm and Brewery down near Stradbally in County Leash Corso by David and Lisa Walsh chemists they're a fantastic business you're very familiar with them from this show there's been one farm, 13 generations, over 383 years of farming and just one family. So I think it's fair to say they know a thing or two about sustainability and they have been recognised again by industry. And um, For a second year in a row, they have taken home the prestigious and a prestigious award from the National Sustainable Business Awards. It's a partnership um, between PwC and uh, Sunday Business Post. Um, second year in a row. So uh, David Walsh, chemist, one of the founders, or one of the owners joins me now. David, I'm just thinking there, the old dry cleaners around Strad Valley must be flat out with all these awards. You're picking up lately.
4: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They're getting good business out of us now, and, and in full sustainability. Like it's actually my grandfather's tux. So oh at least wow. We get to reuse that, and <laughs> luckily he was pretty much the same size as me, so that's fine. We can we can go with that.
2: That's amazing. The same tux that your grandfather's. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I think you're. They, you're they taking don't make a, them like that anymore. <laughs> your grandfather now the tux <laughs>
4: Uh, well, absolutely either. <laughs> either. See,
2: David, look at it. it's just—it's another huge accolade for yourselves. You know, you picked up that major award last year, and um, another one this year in a slightly different category. Uh, you must be brimming with pride.
4: Yeah we are And I mean like we, we do genuinely try to run the business As sustainably as possible So it's great when You know an external company Or an external um, judging panel Comes in and, and recognises that So we absolutely were thrilled with it Because that's a serious set of awards I mean when you look at All the other people Even in our category You look at all the people Who were we were up against I wouldn't have been surprised To see any of the other people In that category winning it So we were yeah, absolutely thrilled well, With that And still I like, have that six short six list later.
2: And, Yep in front of me here Diageo Mead Farms You know Bread 41 You are talking some major yep. major Major players and major companies there, are so well done. You're generating about eighty percent of your own power at this stage as well. I mean, what sort of initiatives we are? are you and I mean, at? I was
4: actually I'm looking at the the app. Like today is the, the most power we've ever generated in a day. Like we're heading for about seven hundred kilowatt hours um, over the course of the last couple of days. It, it's like huge power coming in off the the solar with the sunshine. Um, we're looking to the next thing will be uh, hopefully a hydro um, system in the river so we obviously need to go through planning permission for that but if we can get that we'll actually be more or less completely self-sufficient in energy and I mean it is a sustainability thing that's why we started with it but it's also in this day and age uh, like it's fantastic to have our own energy security to know what we're going to be paying for energy which is very very little um, it's really just the repayments on, on the panels and then the hydro
2: and it's, it's, it really closes out that kind of circle because you know as a business being a farm that grows its own grains and stuff that gets you know depends on the sun, in any case, so now to be harnessing it for energy yeah, is, yeah. is fantastic. But the kind of the, the good news, and that Tux is going to be out again on Thursday night because you're also the leash representatives for the National Enterprise Awards this Thursday. Um, busy times for you.
4: It is busy. I mean, like, it's great, like, two major national award ceremonies in the case of eight days. So um, it's, I mean, that's, and again, like to be in the National Enterprise Awards, like really, really honoured and proud to be representing Leash up there. Um, it's a fantastic accolade to, to win the Leash Award, and now obviously we're going through to the national Finals so we're up in the Mansion House on Thursday evening. Busy day because I'm at Bloom, board beer Bloom on the Thursday. Um, go to the awards ceremony Friday night, or sorry, Thursday night, and then back in at seven o'clock Friday morning to meet the buyers at uh, at Bloom. So it's it'll be a busy couple of days for the next uh, next little while.
2: Absolutely, actually, you're doing a bit of a beer tasting. I think as part of that Grow Remote Summit that's taking place. in June 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 2, there's lots happening for you
4: absolutely yeah and that'll be great as well because you get to meet lots of new people and, and uh, you know we're going to have a chat to them about about the farm about the business about the brewery and about the sustainability as well because you don't want to push it too far I think you can you know y- you can make people turn people off if you go too hard on the messaging but it's always nice to slip in a little few messages about what we're doing on that side of things
2: That's a, No, I think I think that's a very valid point but I think there are so, there's businesses like yourselves out there right across the three counties and they've got the data behind it you know that they can help other businesses make that informed decision and you know make decisions that really are game changes for their business. Absolutely. But uh, David, to yourself and Lisa and all the team down there, many congratulations again on, on taking home another award from the National Sustainable Business Awards and all the very best in the mansion house on Thursday night. Brilliant. Ronan, thanks very much for that. As well David, a pleasure as always. So there you go. Like I just said, you know, talk about sustainability, you know, the grandfather's tux like, still on the go. That is incredible. Anyway, and do you know what? It does not surprise me in any way. There is a fantastic business and I must say a fantastic product. If you haven't tasted their products or beers yet, do so. I believe you, me, you will not regret it anyway. But well done to David and all the best on Thursday night. The National Enterprise Awards. That wraps up tonight's show. Thank you to all this evening's contributors to Ashley Coleman from Mullingar Chamber talking about their purple Frag- flag accreditation for the seventh year, to um, Sophie Freeman from Sophie Soap pointing out the challenges of running a small business, to Minister Pippa Hackett and to Stuart Trotter from Liberty Insurance talking about remote working and how it can revolutionise our local communities and help us reduce our climate, our carbon footprint overall. And the David Walsh candles, who you've just heard there. Stay safe. I'll talk to you all next Tuesday from 7. Joe's here next with Country Roads from 8. Get out there, enjoy the last of the sunshine, and get bop into some country tunes. Talk to you later.
5: Taking
0: care of business returns next Tuesday at 7 pm with the local enterprise
4: offices of Leash, Offaly, and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie
0: and let's talk business.